and um, Pastor Thomas told you, I work at the district office. My main responsibility is I work a lot with our youth pastors, and uh, even though he uh, gave me an introduction when I didn't need one, especially if he was doing it. Uh, but um, um, you have a lot to be proud of. Uh, it is a joy to work with Pastor Thomas, and just the last couple weeks uh, at youth camp, he has really done a, an excellent job, not just with your students, but he does a lot of the production stuff uh, that we do and everything, a lot of the behind-the-scenes things that goes on to make youth camp run smoothly, and uh, you guys, you just, he helped in the morning worship, and like I say, you guys have a lot to be proud of in him and his ministry uh, that represents you guys and uh, he's not taking me to lunch to say that either so but um, our scripture this morning comes from Lamentations chapter 3 verses 22 through 24 uh, scripture that you are probably pretty familiar with once you get there um, it'll be on the screen or if you want to look it up uh, Lamentations is a book that's kind of hard to find in the Old Testament. It's stuck in between Jeremiah and Ezekiel, or you can swallow your pride and look at the front and find out what page is on in your Bible uh, and everything. But the, the thing about these verses is they are, they are the foundation verses, the key verses for the old hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And it talks about God's faithfulness to us. Verse 22, Lamentations chapter 3, says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. It's God's word for God's people. I brought with me this morning just a uh, single leaf. We don't think about leaves that much, and but this single leaf is so fragile that any one of us could it. We could, from the youngest to the oldest to the strongest to the weakest, we could crumple it up, we could rip it apart with, without any problem. Um, in, in a few weeks now, because I've taken it off the tree, it'll be so dry that it will burn like gunpowder, and if we were in a pinch, we could use it to start a fire. Uh, a leaf, though, is so fragile and so frail, probably all of us so have, have watched the Weather Channel before in the middle of a hurricane and we've seen Jim Cantore standing out when they've evacuated whole cities and towns and nobody's left and, and he's standing there in the shot and the rain's pounding and the wind's blowing and lawn furniture's flying by his head and there's nothing left in the town but usually behind him is a tree and hanging onto that tree in the middle of the storm are these fragile leaves that just can't be blown off. In, in, in a summertime on a hot day like today if we have to be outside we try to find a tree to get under it because the leaves block the sun and they give us shade that helps cool us off in a few weeks a few months everybody will start heading to the mountains because they want to see the leaves when they change color uh, we learn in basic biology class that we can't live without leaves because they take poison out of the air the carbon dioxide and they change it into life giving oxygen. 
We read about leaves in the Bible all the way at the beginning in Genesis. God creates the Garden of Eden and there's this paradise and we have this picture of all the vegetation and the trees and the leaves and even after Adam and Eve sin, we are told that they cover themselves with leaves. In Revelation, there's once again at the end of Scripture when God has restored all things, there is this picture of a garden scene once again when the new Jerusalem has come down and there is the tree of life sitting beside the, the river that goes through the city and there is this image of leaves. There are leaves from Genesis to Revelation. Every year God brings forth billions upon billions of leaves that most eye will never see. We can't live without them. Yet how many of us have ever stopped to thank God for one leaf? It's the problem with faithfulness. Faithfulness is those things that surround us so often and, 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 and they're so familiar to us that we begin to take it for granted. We begin to, to ignore it. We don't notice it. Faithfulness becomes predictable and routine because it's so faithful. It's the things we so often see, we grow blind to them. We expect them. We take it for granted. It's the air that we breathe, the ground that we walk on. I mean, do you realize right now we are spinning a thousand miles an hour as the earth rotates on its axis and traveling 67,000 miles an hour as we orbit the sun in a circle? Now that's amazing to me because when I was a, a cool, young, hip youth pastor like Thomas and used to take my youth group to Carowinds or something, I could ride any roller coaster and do anything they wanted to do as long as it didn't go in a circle. When it went in a circle, I started popping Dramamine like a meth addict and everything because I couldn't handle it. I would get motion sick and, and I would just, you know, I couldn't do that. And yet, as I stand here, I am traveling a thousand miles an hour in a circle, 67,000 miles an hour through space, and I don't even feel it. It doesn't faze me, but I never thank God for it. All these amazing things that surround us, our air that we breathe, our heart pumping, the earth rotating, the leaves, God provides these faithfully and we take it for granted. We live surrounded by amazing wonders, but we often see them as run-of-the-mill, miracles repeated every day, and we ignore them asking for more miracles. We take faithfulness for granted. Philip Yancey was a, is a Christian author who was once out at Yellowstone Park to see Old Faithful. He and his wife were there, and one of the things he noticed when they got there was just people from all over the world who had come to see the geyser Old Faithful and, and to watch it erupt. He said there were people from Japan and Germany and just any place you could imagine, and everybody had their video cameras, and, and they had their their. their, their phones out and everybody was just waiting for the eruption and he said next to the geysers this large digital clock that 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 counts down to the next eruption and and they had some time before the next eruption so he and his wife made their way to the old faithful inn which is right there beside the geyser and and you can go in there and you can have dinner or lunch and and they have balconies and things that you can go out and watch the geyser when it gets ready to erupt and he 
he said that everybody was in there sort of mingling around, doing their own thing, and when the clock got down to about one minute, everybody got up and everybody stopped what they were doing and they made their way to where they could see the geyser and everybody got their camcorders out and got the phones out and everybody was ready to record the geyser erupt, but he said he noticed over the corner of his, uh, over his shoulder, out of the corner of his eyes, that the wait staff and the people that worked there, none of them made their way to watch the geyser, but they all were doing their duties. If, if they were in the restaurant, they were taking away dirty dishes and filling up water glasses or, or doing whatever needed to be done, but none of them watched the geyser erupt, and he said in that moment he realized that they had seen Old Faithful so much that it had lost its ability to impress. And he said the Lord spoke to him in that moment and he said he realized that sometimes he did that with God's faithfulness. He sees it so often that sometimes it loses its ability to impress. He begins to take it for granted. In our culture, in our society, faithful has almost even become synonymous with boring, with, with routine, with, with plain. I, I had a, a 2004 Buick Century I drove for a long time, don't covet and everything, but it was the plainest car anybody could ever imagine. I mean, it's just plain car, something like your grandmother would drive or something, and no wheels, no frills, nothing to it. And, and not long after Pastor Matt got his Roush Mustang, he called me one day and wanted me to meet him at the car show on South Main. And so I met him there, and he was already there, and he was parked with the Roush, the hood popped open and everything. So I pulled my 2004 Buick Century beside his Roush Mustang, popped my hood and everything, and was sitting right there with him. And, and people would ask me about my car, and I would tell them it's faithful. And what I was mean is plain, it's boring, nobody really wants my car, but it gets me from point A to point B. Sometimes a spouse will talk about, a wife will, will talk about her husband, and she will say he's faithful. And what she's really saying is he don't look as good as he used to, and he can't fix anything around the house, but he's here. He's faithful. It's boring. And, and that's sort of become what we think about when we think about faithfulness. But, but when you read the scripture, faithfulness is, is what, how we know God. It, it ought to excite us. It's not boring. It's not routine. It's the foundation for everything that we know. It's the reason we have hope. Because God is faithful. Listen to what the Bible says about God's faithfulness. The Bible says that God abounds in faithfulness and that by his faithfulness he keeps his covenant of love to a thousand generations. Because of his faithfulness he does no wrong. God shows himself faithful to the faithful. The Bible says God is faithful in all he does and by it he guarantees that his words are right and true. The Bible says his faithfulness reaches to the skies and is sent down from the heavens and is appointed to protect us like a shield and a rampart. The Bible says God's faithfulness surrounds him, that it goes out before him. The Bible says he will not betray his faithfulness, that he endures forever. The Bible says in faithfulness God disciplines his children. The Bible says because of his faithfulness he will keep his promises to us. The Bible says his faithfulness is great. The Bible says he cannot be canceled out by our lack of faith. That because of his faithfulness he forgives and cleanses us from confession 
confess sin. That because of his faithfulness, we are not tempted beyond what we can bear. The Bible says by his faithfulness, God sanctifies us and keeps us blameless until the coming of Lord Jesus. It says he gives us strength and protection from the evil one. It tells us that when Jesus comes back, one of the names that will be on his thigh is the name of faithful one. What's more, it is the faithfulness of God that is the foundation for everything that we know about him. We know God's love, his righteousness, his truthfulness, his steadfastness, his compassion, his mercy, his grace, his slowness to anger, his creative power, his mightiness, his justice, his deliverance, his relief, his holiness. We know all of that because God is faithful. The cornerstone of God's faithfulness is his way with us underneath the incarnation and the atonement and the redemption and the foundation of faithfulness. Behind the drama of Zacchaeus coming down out of the sycamore tree and Jesus calling to him or Jesus calling Peter away from the fishing nets or Matthew out of the tax collecting booth or from wherever it was that God found you and he called to you, underneath all of that is simply the truth that God is faithful. You can depend on it. It should excite us. It gives us hope. It gives us reason to to have joy in the midst of our storm. But the question that obviously comes to to mind, if if the Bible says all these great things about God's faithfulness and and what God does for us and how it, it comes for him, what about those times in our life where it seems like God is distant what about those times in our life where it feels like God has disappointed us where it feels like God is distracted or indifferent to what's happening in our life how do we balance those times that we know we go through versus all that scripture tells us about God's faithfulness How is it faithful when we're going through the storm and and it feels like our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling where's God's faithfulness then One of the things I've come to realize in my life is is that sometimes the issue is not God's faithfulness. Sometimes the issue is my expectation. Sometimes I expect things of God that he never promised me. We read scripture about submitting our lives fully to Christ and picking up our cross to follow him and denying ourselves and, and dying to self. But if we're brutally honest, a lot of times we have a certain expectation of God. We expect that if we're following God and, and we're coming to church and, and, and we're doing what we think we ought to do, then, then God's end of the bargain is, is maybe we don't hit the lottery, but we ought to be financially comfortable. And, and maybe we're not always healthy but you know we may get a cold or a flu or something but we shouldn't have like major diseases and we shouldn't have cancer and and people that we love ought to be guarded from certain things there ought to be certain things in life if if, you know we have this expectation that that God ought to keep us kind of middle class and healthy and anytime that that something begins to rock our world and, and and something begins to get uncomfortable and and our expectation it met we begin to question God's faithfulness when the issue is not God's faithfulness at all the issue is our expectation what Jesus promises us is in this world you will have trouble we don't hear about that often you don't have to go far to hear it I I got home from youth camp one night and 
cut the TV on just to kind of vegetate a little bit before I went to bed, and, and there was like an infomercial on this televangelist was selling miracle water, and you could send him money, and he would send you this miracle water, and there was people giving all these testimonies. I don't know what you're supposed to do with miracle water, but when you got it, you know, you would get a check in the mail for whatever debt you had or whatever disease you had would be cured and gone because God wants his children to be, uh, you know, happy and comfortable, and if we're not happy and comfortable, it's because our faith isn't good enough, and if we had this miracle water that probably come out of the Catawba River or wherever it was, you know, everything would be great. That's not anything what we find in Scripture. God never promises us that if we follow Him, everything's going to work out. All the, the red lights when we drive down Main Street are going to turn green. We're going to drive by Krispy Kreme. The hot sign's going to be on. Everything's going to be wonderful in life. That's not what He promises. But sometimes that's the expectation we have. I remember when... when Michelle and I went to, to the first church, and I was now officially the pastor, and went to the church. We had about 25 people, and, and I didn't want to be prideful or anything, but I figured, you know, it'd be at least three weeks before we hit 500. Uh, it was all I knew to do was to be a preacher. I got called in ministry when I was about 10th grade, and that's all I could do. One summer when I was going through uh, Central or Southern Westland, I worked in a body shop at, at a car place, and, and at the end of that summer, the, the, the foreman of the plant called me to the side and he basically said he took me to lunch and we're sitting at lunch and I'm getting ready to go back to school and he looks at me and he said Todd I really hope this preaching thing works out for you because if it doesn't you're going to starve because I have no skill or no ability with tools or anything like that and 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 you know he was just putting it all out there and everything and, and you know that's all I'd ever done so I went to my first church and had in my mind this expectation that you know we were all going to sing kumbaya we're all going to get along everything's going to be great they've got a, a cool young pastor and and you know in three weeks you know we're going to go from 25 to 500 and everything's going to be great the Holy Spirit's going to fall on us and just incredible things are going to happen and I think I'd been there two days when I got my first phone call of how everything that was wrong in the world was my fault and it was because the lady who had been a member of the church since the first Pentecost service and when the Holy Spirit first came and and she had been a member of the church since then she had been in the hospital and nobody sent her a flower and it's all because they had this new young pastor who didn't care about old people didn't care she was in the hospital didn't get her a flower and all the world was going to 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 waste because she didn't get her flower and it was my fault well, I started trying to figure out how to get this lady a flower and everything. And I started calling people that I did know that I had met and, and, and come to find out the last church service she was at was the one that the Holy Spirit fell at and everything. But she had been a member that whole time and everything. And so I got her a flower. And, and, but, you know, it was not nothing like I expected it to be. But there's never been a time where God was not faithful. We ended up staying there 12 years and had a wonderful ministry and loved those people to death. But it was never what I expected. In so many ways and so many times, I would expect God to do this, but God would do that. And I would have to learn that it's not my, His faithfulness that has changed. It's my expectation that has to change. Because God never does anything against His Word. 
It's just that sometimes I expect things that, that are not there. S.L. Bringle talks about how life changes and, and we have this expectation. He said, we forget that today Job is the, the richest man in the land, but tomorrow he'll be a pauper and be childless. Today Joseph is the pet of his father's home, but we forget that tomorrow he'll be sold into slavery by his brothers and be toiling in prison. We forget that today David weds the king's daughter and everybody sings his praises, but tomorrow the king will hurl a javelin at him and chase him across the countryside like a fugitive. We, today Daniel sits among 120 princes and counselors and he is the pride of the king and the kingdom. Tomorrow he'll sit in the midst of the lion life has an ebb and flow to it and our expectations may come and go but the one thing we can always count on is God's faithfulness I've learned in life that sometimes it's not God my expectation sometimes it's my focus that causes me to miss God's faithfulness situations come up and and I focus on what's going on and I, how can I fix this and how can I address this and how can I get out of this instead of looking at God's faithfulness it's like Peter when he's walking on the water and and the Bible says that he saw the wind it's always amazing to me because with the rain and the waves and everything going, the one thing that it says that Peter saw is the one thing that you can't see, the wind. And the point is he took his eyes off of Christ. He changed his focus. And when he took his eyes off of Christ, he began to sink. Or, or the children of Israel, after they've left Egypt and God has delivered them with the plagues and they've mount, met with God on Mount Sinai and now they're ready to go into the promised land and Moses sends out the 12 spies and they come back with a report. And the report is we can't do this. The report is, you know, there's armies and giants in the land and, and they have all these things and the report's true everything they say about it's true but what they have done is they've changed their focus off God who has met with them God who's given them miracles God who has been faithful to them and all of a sudden they say we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes they started focusing on themselves their resources their ability and they realized it was too great for them or, or, or the next time you read the story of David and Goliath notice what everybody focuses on all everybody can talk about is Goliath, how big he is. He's nine foot tall. He's a champion warrior. He's got these weapons. He's got this javelin. He's got this spear. He's got all these things. His armor bearer goes before him, and he does all this. And for 40 days, every, the whole army of Israel, all they talk about is Goliath and how big he is and what a champion he is. But then all of a sudden, David shows up. And the whole conversation that David has, never once does he talk about Goliath or how big he is. All he wants to know about Goliath is who is he and how can I get rid of him all he focuses on is God and what God has done for him how God has been with him when he watched his father's sheep and God helped me kill lion and God helped me kill bear and God will help me do this all David talks about is God and how his God is bigger than whatever problem is before him so when problems come up what do we focus on do we focus on ourselves our ability our resources or do we focus on God and how God God's been with me so much and how God has walked with me through this and God's walked with me through that and I know God's going to be with me now is our focus on ourselves is our focus on our problem or is our focus on our God and how he's always been faithful so I look through scripture 
there are three things that you can always count on God to be faithful to do in your life. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. These are the things that God is always faithful to do. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God is always faithful to forgive. God is always faithful to forgive our sins. When we come to Christ and we confess our sins to Christ and we ask him into our life, he is always faithful to do that, not because you deserve it, not because you've earned it, not because you've got your act together. He does it because he is faithful. His work on the cross was because of his faithfulness. And we walk in a relationship with him and he forgives us our sins and we are justified and we are atoned for and we are made in right standing with him because our God is faithful. God is always faithful to hear a sinner's prayer. It doesn't matter how many times you have failed. It doesn't matter how bad you've failed. It doesn't matter what you've done, who you've done it to, or how many times you've done it. If you are faithful and you confess your sins before the Lord, God is faithful and he will hear that prayer and he will come into your life and he will forgive you your sins. He's faithful. He does it. Sometimes Satan beats us up when we falter and we fail and and we think you know I can't come to the Lord with that again and we feel down on ourselves but the scripture tells us if we confess our sins to the Lord he is faithful and will forgive us our sins you don't deserve it you haven't earned it it's not enough hoops in the world for you to jump through doesn't happen because of you it happens because he is faithful secondly God is faithful to purify us to make us holy and blameless before Christ. The second part of 1 John 1, 9 says if, if, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and He will do it. There is a second work of grace that happens in a believer's life as we walk with God in his forgiveness and as we begin that relationship and as we surrender our life to him and as we pursue God through means of grace, we realize we are living in Holy Spirit power and God evades more and more of our life as we surrender more and more of our life to him and he makes us holy, he makes us blameless, he purifies us from all unrighteousness. Church, it is not your death that purifies you from sin. It is the death of Jesus Christ that purifies you from sin. And we need to once again walk in the power. We are not just sinners saved by grace and just stuck here on this earth living in our sin till Jesus Christ comes back. But he gives us power to overcome the will for sin in our life. He gives us power to live above sin. We're not trapped by sin. We're not enslaved by sin 
sin, we become enslaved to the Holy Spirit. He changes us. He makes us a new creation. We're not who we used to be anymore because we're transformed. The things we used to desire, they've gone away. We have new desire now. He makes us holy and blameless through the Spirit of Christ, not because we deserved it, not because we've jumped through the right hoops, but it's the faithful work of God and His Holy Spirit in a believer's life. We don't need to be ashamed of it. We don't need to be timid of it. We don't need to shy away from it. We need to pursue it and preach it and proclaim it. One of the things that's often missing in church today is a testimony. I used to be this, but Jesus Christ has come into my life and he has changed me. I am no longer who I used to be, but now because of the power of the Holy Spirit, I may not be where I'm going, but I'm not who I used to be either. I've been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. When I was growing up, we used to have testimony services, and people used to stand up and testify. You know, God's delivered me from this, and God's delivered me from that. When's the last time you heard somebody in church talk about something God had delivered them from? Went to a church several months ago. They were having a testimony service, and it's a Sunday night, walked in, and... and up on the front row, there was an elderly gentleman, probably 80, 85 years old, stood up and started to testify. And, and he said, preacher, he said, nobody here knew me before I became a Christian. He said, but I was rotten. I was a scoundrel. And, and sitting behind me on the back row, I heard a little lady under her breath said, amen, it's true and everything. And I thought, you know, that's the most beautiful thing in the world because that's what needs to be happening. You don't know me before Christ but I'm not who I used to be. He's changed me. He's making me holy. He's purifying me. He's making me blameless before Him. And lastly, God is faithful to be present with you. God's always with you. He'll forgive you. He'll purify you. And He's always present with you. When Moses is, is on the backside of Sinai and he's freaking out because of what God's calling him to do to go back to Egypt, and he asks the question, who, 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 sent, who am I going to say sent me? And you know, God tells him, I am who I am. Amen. It's not a riddle. God's saying, I'm God of this moment. I'm the God I am. I'm not I was. I'm not just the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I'm not just the God of the past. And I'm not just the God of the future who will one day come back and make everything right. He is a present day, present moment God. So Monday when you get to work and everything starts falling apart, He's in that moment. He's a present tense God. He is the great I Am. And He is faithful to be with you no matter what is happening in your life. He's there. Sometimes we maybe can't see it because of our expectation or our focus, but He's always there. He is faithful. Now, I know it's July, but I'm going to tell you, we talked a little bit about this in Sunday school. I love Christmas. It's my favorite time of the year and everything. When they start playing Christmas music, you know, at the end of October, 1st of November, you think, what idiot and jabroni is listening to this? That would be me and everything. I, I mean, I love Christmas. Michelle and I, we have come up with a, with a pact in life. Uh, 
I can't get the Christmas decorations out till after Thanksgiving. Somehow that's in the Hebrew scripture. I haven't found it yet, but if you know, she would let me, I'd have them out in middle October. If I'm going to do all this and get it out, we're going to have it out and we're going to enjoy it and everything. But for some reason, Christmas doesn't start to after Thanksgiving and everything. I love Christmas. And what I love the most about it, it is all a reminder. If you get through all the distractions and everything, at the heart of it, it's a reminder of God's faithful presence. When, when, Mo, when, when Joseph is, is trying to wrap his mind around what J Mary has told him, and she, he thinks he's going to put her away quietly, and the angel comes to him and, and, and says, Joseph, what she told you is true. She's not lost her mind, and this is all happening and everything. And, and finally, the angel says, you're going to have a child, and you're going to call him Emmanuel, God is with us and the whole Christmas story is about how God came to be with you and no matter what happens in life on your darkest day and on your brightest day the one thing you can always count on is God is with you Everybody else may leave you or forsake you. Life may happen and things that go on you never expected may happen in your life. But the one guarantee, because God is constantly reminding you of it from the miracles that surround you every day, is that He is with you. Praise band sung earlier, Never once did I walk alone but you are faithful. Some of you remember the great hymn that come from these verses. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness to me. As the praise band comes, Psalm 26, 3, and the NIV version says, I have always been mindful of your unfailing love and have lived in reliance of your faithfulness. With everything happening in life, the one thing you can always count on and the one thing you can always build life on is God's love and faithfulness to you. We're going to stand together, church, and you just worship Him. You may be on top of the mountain and things may be going great in your life and praise the Lord, celebrate, worship because God is there with you. You may be going through the valley in a hard time. Praise the Lord because you are not walking that alone. But God is faithful to be with you. Let's worship Him together.